He'd stuck his head into Vera's office before setting off, and had found her in a philosophical mood. She got that way sometimes. This case is full of people worried about dying. She'd leaned towards him, her eyes gleaming as if she was fascinated by death, not worried by it. They can feel their time running out. The murders must have made the fear more real. Duft, isn't it? We've all got to go sometime. Joe wondered how he'd respond to news that he had a terminal illness. He didn't think he'd be able to keep it secret. He'd even like the fuss and attention. And it might be exciting to be so close to death. He'd be reckless for the first time in his life, drink too much, take risks. Perhaps fear in the abstract is worse than facing the immediate reality. Vera had still seemed preoccupied by morbid thoughts, but her voice had been cheerful. She probably wasn't afraid of anything. Joe hadn't bothered answering. Hope's chair of trustees was a labour councillor and former union man. He lived in a miner's welfare cottage on the outskirts of Bebbington. Joe knew of him through his father. They'd been comrades in arms, the same post-war generation. John Laidlaw had been a kind of hero in their family. The cottage was neat, the garden tended. A handrail had been fixed close to the front door, and through the window, Joe saw an elderly woman sitting with a piece of embroidery on her knee, a walking frame propped beside her. She seemed to be drowsing, but the man who opened the door was spry and fit and looked younger than his wife. You'll be Bobby Ashworth's son. This is a terrible business. Come into the kitchen so we don't disturb Doreen. She had a stroke last year and hasn't been herself since. John Laidlaw was dressed in his Sunday best, shirt and tie and shining shoes. Joe thought he'd probably just come back from chapel. They sat on plastic chairs across a formica table. Shirley Heweth was the best thing that happened to Hope. I got to know her when I was a magistrate. I knew she wasn't happy with the way the probation service was going. Nobody in their right mind would be. The last was thrown out as a challenge. The former miner still saw a police officer as a potential enemy. I offered her the job as director. Never thought she'd accept. A quick grin. Then we had to find the money to pay her. Why do you think she did accept? That had been bothering Joe since he'd first encountered the woman. Because she had principles and a social conscience. To John Laidlaw, the answer was obvious. She knew people coming out of prison are more likely to reoffend without support. Joe remembered the woman he'd met, the glimpse of the lacy bra. He thought there'd been more to Shirley Heweth than a social conscience. What did she bring to your organisation? A professional approach. Before that, we were a glorified self-help group. Ex-offenders providing advice for their mates. And I'd use my contacts to drag in some volunteers to run occasional sessions. It was more like a drop-in centre. It served to keep lads off the street, but not much more than that.
Surely knew our way around the fund system and managed to pull in pots of money from a variety of sources. That meant we could run training courses, evaluate the work we were doing, provide individual counselling to clients who needed it. Then, because we had some credibility, statutory agencies bought in our services. Laidlaw stopped for breath. I take it you had the accounts properly audited? What are you suggesting, man? Laidlaw's voice was quiet, but he was angry enough to bunch one hand into a fist on the table. Two people involved in your organisation have been killed. I'm trying to find a reason. If someone had been fiddling the books, that might provide a motive. Nobody's been fiddling the books. We run that place on a shoestring. The people working there put in more than they took out. I know damn fine that Shirley worked double the hours she was contracted for.